Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one Get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, where you can call in and talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160 is the call-in line if you'd like to weigh in with your thoughts and opinions. That's 603-283-6160. I'm with you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And man, I, you know, I tend to avoid talking about anything related to trans stuff as much as I can. But this story got brought to my attention by someone who was saying that the BBC is being transphobic in their take on this. And I'm not ready yet to get into it, but it's definitely worth talking about. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But I want to start with something happier because a local satanic organization has convinced a school district in Delaware County that its dress code was discriminatory against Satanists. Once I saw that, I had to see the article. So Joseph Rose is the founder of a local organization called Satanic Delco, one that I've absolutely never heard of. Says that fellow Satanists with children attending schools within the Rose Tree Media School District, which I've also never heard of, made him aware of the verbiage in the dress code banning any clothing or gear that are, quote, Satanic in nature. Now, it doesn't sound like this is a religious school. It's just a public school district saying you can't have clothing that is satanic in nature it would maybe make sense to me if it was like a catholic school or something like that but if it's right. just a random public school district i don't see why they I wouldn't let kids wear something i don't either but that was evidently their policy rose said the idea that a public school would allow religious expression in school but choose to single out and prohibit the expression of one specific religion obviously seemed like a problem for us. Well, it's obviously a violation of the First Amendment. They're a public school. They can't say, hey, you can't have this one particular religious emblem on your clothing. It took about a month of consistent emails and phone calls. Man, this dude must be bored. (laughs) And phone calls to the district before the superintendent sent out an announcement reading in part, although we have had no complaints or concerns brought forward by any student, parent, or resident, We will remove this language from our current dress code information in the student handbook. So the parents themselves didn't do that. They just contacted Joseph Rose, who did it 
evidently uh, consistently emailing and calling daily on their behalf rather than, you know, requiring the students to do it because the students are already being discriminated against, told they can't wear what they want to wear. So I don't blame this guy at all for being like, hey, look, no, you don't make yourself more of a target. I'll take care of this for you. Well, and this happens a lot to Satanists. They kind of Satanism always gets singled out as being like the one religion that you're not allowed to be, basically, especially in public schools. A lot of a lot of public schools probably have that verbiage in their in their handbooks or whatever. Right. And it's because they get their understanding of Satanism from like Hollywood. Yeah. Or like Christians. Or Yes. Or Christians. But <laughs> Christians sort of get theirs from Hollywood as well. Yeah, so it just true. sort of bleeds out from there. But I've been watching a lot of horror movies this month, like I do every October. And I swear, satanic ritual abuse is like a catchphrase in Hollywood. At least 10 of the movies I've seen have used that exact phrase no less than 20 times throughout the movie. Just satanic ritual abuse, satanic ritual abuse. Yeah. And a few of them handle it really well, talking about how, you know, there was just this hysterica, hysteria about satanic ritual abuse. But the the majority of them just take it seriously and run with it. And, of course, that creates the perception in the minds of people. That's their only exposure yeah. to what a Satanist is, is what Hollywood tells them. Yeah. It is. Most of these people have no clue what Satanism about is about or what a Satanist is. They just think, oh, Satan, the devil, it must be bad. And that's exactly what this woman says. Uh, Lisa Cutrafello of Clifton Heights. I wouldn't want a satanic or cultish anything on clothing in schools. But it's obviously a free speech issue. No, she goes on. No, a different person goes on. It's like a free speech issue. Are they going to allow Nazis to be able to put symbols on kids' shirts and send them to school? Asked Donna Willis of Media. I guess that's a place in the school district. I mean, I would say that those are two very different things. Yes, one is a symbol of white supremacy and fascism and, you know, the Holocaust and other horrific things. And the other is a symbol of religious freedom, freedom of expression. This just really shows her misunderstanding of Satanism. It absolutely does. It's it just sort of raises awareness, said um, Joseph Rose, for what Satanists are, what we're not, and maybe helps empower us a little when we have to reach out to the next high school, which I'm doing. So apparently there are multiple high schools that are doing this that he's having to reach out to. I mean, obviously, Satanists are what the are not what the media makes them out to be. And that's part of the West Memphis Three. But if, for people who think that it's not that big of a deal, what people think Satanists actually are, considering how much of a minority we are. But there was this kid in West Memphis, Arkansas, who was murdered. Wow. And, and because these three goth Satanist kids who listen to Marilyn Manson and stuff happened to know him. I don't know all of the details anymore at this point, but they were called the West Memphis Three. And they spent a lot of time in prison solely because they were goth kids. And that was how the police interpreted it. They were like, oh, no, this, this was satanic cultism. And this was at the height of the satanic panic. And because of that, they falsified evidence. They lied. So what happened? This kid got murdered and they blamed it on the goth Satanist kids? Yes. Okay. And I don't remember all of the details here. It's a, it's a huge saga, and it goes back years. I mean, Disturbed even wrote a song called Three that is about this very topic, and that's what made me aware oh, okay. of the issue in the first place. But it absolutely happened. Someone got murdered, and the nearby Satanists got blamed because of the satanic panic yeah. that was you know thriving in the 80s and 90s. So awareness about what Satanists actually are is definitely a good thing.
According to Satanic Delco's website, the group does not worship Satan, but rather believes that religion can and should be divorced from superstition. I don't know that it should be divorced from superstition. I I certainly agree that it can be. But if you want a religion that's divorced from superstition, which is kind of what Reformed Satanism is, that's cool. But if other people want a religion that's tied to superstition, I don't necessarily see an issue with that. Yeah, to each their own, right? Right. He goes on to say, we do not promote a belief in a personal Satan. To embrace the name Satan is to embrace rational inquiry removed from supernaturalism and archaic tradition-based superstitions. Satanists should actively work to hone critical thinking and exercise reasonable agnosticism in all things. Our beliefs must be malleable to the best current scientific understandings of the material world, never the reverse, which is largely a statement I agree with. I mean, if that's what one wants to guide them is scientific understanding of the world, sure, but it, it's personal liberty above everything else. If another Satanist wants to be guided by a belief in other things, things other than current scientific understandings, that's also fine. That's their choice to make, how they live their life, what they want to be guided by. And this is why I like the fundamental tenets of the Satanic Temple. There's seven of them, and they're really misconstrued and obviously misinterpreted by the modern-day Satanic Temple, which is like this hard-left progressive organization because Satanism got overtaken by progressive humanists, and all the more reason that the Reformed Satanic Church exists, and they hold themselves to be God, and they should be the ones making decisions for others. But like the fourth tenet is one's body is subject to one's will own, yeah, one's own will, and is inviolable. And of course, they don't like that. They like it when it comes to abortion, but when it comes to having to put a vaccine in your body, oh no, no, suddenly your body is yeah. not just subject to your own will alone, but our will it supersedes your will. So there's a lot of hypocrisy, but still, this guy is doing good things, and I appreciate that because all of the kids who want to wear Buffamet t-shirts, there can't, there can't really be that many of them <laughs> in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. But hey, for those kids who want to wear pentagrams and Baphomet t-shirts, now they can finally do that. So kudos to this guy for putting in the work and actually consistently emailing and calling the superintendent in order to get them to reverse this policy. Did did the article say how this guy got involved with doing this? Yes. uh, Fellow Satanists with children that attended schools within the district made him aware of it. Okay. And he was like, okay, well, something needs to be done about this because you're not banning all religions from having clothing or gear there. You're just banning this one particular religion, which obviously is an issue. And hopefully, you know, now more people within the school district, I mean, they're not listening to this guy, though. They're just saying, I don't know. I don't want satanic or cultish imagery. Yeah. I just want my kid to be able to wear his cultish cross. What's wrong with that? But maybe I'm wrong here. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you can join us, share your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And coming up, I'm going to be ranting, and I'm sure Nikki will be joining me, because (laughs) apparently uh, it's relatively common for trans women to rape women and... The hardcore progressive LGBT left doesn't seem to get why that's an issue. 
But before we get into that, there's a story that I want to get into that you have um, about this school district or this one particular school that was just being overwhelmed with violence and students fighting one another. And they, they, they didn't have these security guards to even deal with that. Yeah, so... There was a violent week at school in a school in Louisiana that saw 23 students arrested over the span of three days. This is Southwood High School, um, and the parents knew that something needed to change. So, I some- think what bothers me most about this is that it was an odd number of people arrested, right? Because that means at <laughs> right. least one person got got teamed up on by yeah. two people, and that's never, that's never good. See, I wouldn't even have thought of that, but that's true. That's... That could have been what happened. I don't know how else it could be an odd number, unless yeah. like the kid was fighting himself. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> Just that bored in class. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to make that this kid. more interesting. <laughs> so some dads decided to take matters into their own hands. They formed Dads on Duty, a group of about 40 dads who take shifts spending time at the school in Louisiana, greeting students in the morning and helping maintain a positive environment for learning rather than fighting. You I- know, kind of like, what the teachers are supposed to be doing? Well, also, what kind of what the dads are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Setting good examples, being friendly, learning the kids, learning the community. I just wish, I mean, it's a bunch of dads going to the school to be security, and they didn't even come up with a dad joke for their name. I know, just dads on duty. You guys yeah. couldn't have thought of anything better than that. But, you know, you do have a point, though. It is their responsibility to make sure that their kids are decent human beings, that they're nice and kind and not fighting in school. But I think that probably, I mean, this is a high school, so that probably should have been established long ago. But it is cool that these guys were able to step in. I mean, 40 parents, that's, that's a lot of dads to kind of step up. And, you know, most people don't have the time off of work to be able to work during a school or to volunteer during a school day. So... I don't know, it's it's interesting. I don't think any other school has ever had anything like this happen. No, but it sounds like a positive program. And, yeah, for sure. I mean, kudos to these dads for seeing a problem and organizing themselves in a way that doesn't involve yeah. police or school cops or more security guards or anything like that. It's like, no, we're just going to step up and solve this problem yeah. in a peaceful way. They didn't even do anything. They just started greeting other kids and, you know, saying, hey, welcome to school or whatever. Yeah. And that solved the problem. And the students say it's working, and the numbers prove it. There hasn't been a single incident on campus since the dads showed up. And though none of the dads have degrees in school counseling or criminal justice, they do have some relevant experience. Well, you don't really need a school, I mean, a degree in criminal justice to, you know, operate within the community. Because I think that's probably the biggest aspect of this. You don't want to fight this kid because you just met his dad and his dad seemed pretty cool or whatever. Or they met your dad and your dad seemed pretty cool. It's a good way of bringing a community together in a peaceful way. Honestly, I think if they had degrees in criminal justice, it would make it worse. It probably would. Yeah, (laughs) Because because then they'd be school cops who were just authority figures and not some random dad. Yeah, it's... Yeah, so I think this probably works a lot better than a typical security guard, and especially a school cop. So, um, Well, based on what you told me about Sunday, uh, school cops are beyond useless arresting a 10-year-old girl for drawing a, quote, mean picture of I don't even think student. that was a school cop. I think that was like the town cop that came and arrested this little girl for drawing a mean picture of another classmate. 
I can't even. It blows my mind. Yeah, that blows my mind. It's getting crazy out here, folks. Uh, One of the dads says, we're dads. We decided the best people who can take care of our kids are us, which makes sense. So why didn't they, if they have this much time, why not just take your kid out of public school? I was, yeah, like if they have 40 parents willing to step up, wouldn't they just be able to kind of form a homeschooling group? But I also think that maybe they, like, I don't believe that every, I obviously really, really advocate for homeschooling. But I don't believe that every parent is necessarily capable of homeschooling their kids. Nowadays, like there's online programs so you can kind of just do something like that. But I don't think like normally there's like a certain point where you realize that like kids start to surpass their parents and their knowledge. Oh, absolutely. And I think that happens pretty young for some children. Unfortunately, not every adult is educated. That's a fair point. Like, I remember asking my parents for help with, like, math homework in high school, and they were like, nope, you're on your own. (laughs) These X's and Y's, like, I don't get it. It's also true that a lot of these dads may just have, like, 30 minutes. They're they're hanging out at the school between, like, 7.30 and 8 on their way to work or whatever, so they don't have a full day to spend homeschooling their kids, so. And it's this is in Louisiana, and I think the culture might be a little bit different than it is up here in New Hampshire, homeschooling is a pretty big thing, especially in the libertarian community. Sure. But a lot of people in New Hampshire seem to homeschool their kids and do like more homesteady type stuff. Whereas in Louisiana, I didn't, it seems like this is probably isn't a rural area either. It seems like it might be a city. So that's probably not as big out there as it would be someplace like New Hampshire. I'm continually shocked by the number of schools here in Keene, New Hampshire, because the... One of the towns that I lived in when I lived in Mississippi, it had a population about half of Keene's, but it only had the one school. Yeah. I mean, 12,000 people, one school. Keene, 22,000. And I don't even know how many schools there are here. There's at least four that I can think of, two of which are private schools. And there's, pro- no, there's at least five that I can think of, two of which are private schools. And probably more than that, that I don't just know about because i don't have any kids so yeah school choice is definitely a big thing here private schooling also a very big thing here because two private schools in one little twenty-two thousand yeah, population a lot yeah and a lot of homeschooling as well yeah. as you mentioned so um the article continues to say now any negative energy that enters the building has to run the gauntlet of good parenting that's a good way of putting it i like yeah. that I immediately felt a form of safety, one of the students said. We stopped fighting and people started going to class. Well, you got to do something when you have 23 fights in three days. And yeah, 23 students getting arrested over the span of three days. Oh, that's right. 23 students. Crazy. Yeah. I know there's probably more fights than that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's insane. See, I went to like a preppy high school kind of. So I, there were probably like three fights over the span of the time I was there. I, so. There was nothing like this when, when I was in high school. When I was in school, there was about one fight a month, I would speculate. But this was right before they started calling the cops on students who were fighting. They just sort of, the principal would come or teacher would come. They would separate them and they would get suspended for five days or whatever. Yeah. Now, you, and I, I feel like that was a good thing because it allowed these students to learn some valuable lessons. One, how to fight. Because one day you may be out there on the streets and yeah. you may have to actually fight to defend yourself. Yeah. It's good to have at least some experience. Instead of going directly to jail or whatever. But what are your yeah. thoughts? Is it a good thing to arrest students for fighting, teenagers for fighting, 
603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. That's 603-283-6160. I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. It is the best place to go to learn about cryptocurrency. Just click Getting Started at the top of the page. Take a, just a few minutes out of your day to learn about this world-changing, important information. They have a couple of videos there. It just takes you a few minutes, and you can learn the basics of cryptocurrency. You can get in as deeply into it as you want, but all you really need to understand for, to start is the basics, and you can find that at Bitcoin.com. And if you already know the basics and just want to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of cryptocurrency, news.bitcoin.com has everything you need to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you. That's news.bitcoin.com. Now, the headline for this article is, We're Being Pressured Into Sex by Some Trans Women. Well... Without even getting into the article, I already am bothered by it because being pressured into sex is rape. Yeah. No matter how people slice it. It doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, trans, cis, whatever you are, it's not cool. But there's so much to unpack in this story that um, let's start. Let's just get into what 24-year-old Jenny has to say. She is a lesbian who did not want to have sex with a trans woman. I've had someone saying they would rather kill me than Hitler. They said they would strangle me with a belt if they were in a room with me and Hitler. That was so bizarrely violent just because I won't have sex with trans women. Now, Jenny is a lesbian. She says she is only attracted to women who are biologically female and thus have female parts. She therefore only has sex and relationships with women who are biologically female. Jenny doesn't think this should be controversial, and I have to agree with Jenny, but not everyone agrees. She has been described as transphobic, a genital fetishist, a pervert, and a TERF, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Now, this whole perspective here blows my mind. If not wanting to, let's just say, be in a relationship with a trans woman makes someone transphobic, that not wanting to be in a relationship with a woman would make gay men misogynists. Yeah. It would make lesbians misandrists. And if that reasoning doesn't sound right to you, it's because the reasoning is wrong. There's nothing about having, I want to say preference, but I want to unpack that later because they're painting this whole thing as just a, it's just a preference. But it's, yeah, it's, it is not really, I mean, it's, her actual sexual orientation, you know, it's who she's attracted to for relationships and for, you know, whatever. 
That's exactly it. There's a common argument that they try and use that goes, what if you met a woman in a bar and she's really beautiful and you got on really well and you went home and you discovered that she's a trans woman? Would you just not be interested? Well, yes, because even if someone seems attractive at first, you can go off them, at which I think she means you can be turned off by them. I just don't possess the capacity to be attracted to people who are biologically male, regardless of how they identify, which sounds to me like a reasonable position. The author became aware of this particular issue after writing an article about sex, lies, and legal consent. Several people got in touch with the author to say that there was a huge problem for lesbians who were being pressured to accept the idea that male genitalia can be a female organ. I knew this would be a hugely divisive subject, but the author wanted to find out how widespread the issue was. And judging by this article, it's pretty widespread. Ultimately, it has been difficult to determine the true scale of the problem because there has been little research on this topic, only one survey to my knowledge. However, those affected have told me the pressure comes from a minority of trans women, which is good. It's just a minority doing this. But there's also social pressure here. And we're going to get in that later with lesbians being concerned that if they, if they say no, they don't want to tr- date a trans woman. Even though the trans woman herself didn't say something like, hey, if you don't date me, I'm going to call you transphobic. Fear of that happening has caused lesbians to actually date trans women that they didn't actually want to date. So it just, isn't Which, just individual pressure. It's social pressure. And that's so toxic. Like, imagine someone, you know, being in a relationship with someone and knowing that they were just in that relationship with you just so they wouldn't seem transphobic. Like, that's not, that's worse. It is. (laughs) It's a toxic relationship created within a toxic society. They, they describe, lesbians describe being harassed and silenced if they try to discuss the issue openly. Look, I, I, I see that all the time. Anytime you step outside the mainstream trans sphere, you're, you're silenced, you're harassed, or you're bullied. A, a friend of mine in the UK who happens to be trans wrote an article about Dave Chappelle and pointed out something that I said about it. And people were asking her, why do you, why do you remain friends with, with Aria? She, she's so transphobic or whatever. And it's, I'm obviously not transphobic. But I stepped outside the narrow thinking that they require of people in order to be, quote, on their side. She says one thing that this is a tweet she's quoting is written by a trans woman. One thing every lesbian deals with is straight dudes telling them if only they'd give them a chance, they might realize they're actually straight. Trans activists have that same energy. Let people date who they want to date. If someone rejects you, it's none of your business. Why? And I tend to agree with that as well. No one owes me an explanation of why they don't want to date me. And if they do give me an explanation, hey, that's their explanation. I can't say, oh, no, you're wrong for these reasons. No, they they don't want to date me. They're not wrong. It's just all I can do is respect that and carry on with my life. And it seemed like we... Everybody understands this when it comes to heterosexual relationships or even, you know, most re- like regular gay relationships. But the second you throw like non-binary or trans people into the mix, it just makes people all confused. And it's like, no, the same rules apply. We, we don't have do. to make this complicated. If you don't want to date somebody, it doesn't make you transphobic. It just means that this person is a lesbian with a preference for biological females. Which is totally valid. I mean, yeah. that's... Sort of what I always understood a lesbian to be. Yeah. 
One of the lesbian women that I spoke to, she changed the names to all of these people, Amy, told me she experienced verbal abuse from her own girlfriend, a bisexual woman who wanted them to have a threesome with a trans woman. When Amy explained her reasons for not wanting to, her girlfriend became angry. The first thing she did was call me transphobic. She immediately jumped to making me feel guilty about not wanting to sleep with someone. And that's so horrifying that anyone would do that, much less that it seems to be relatively common within the LGBTQ community. She said the trans woman in question had not undergone gender reassignment surgery. I know there is zero possibility for me to be attracted to this person, Amy said. I can hear their male vocal cords. I can see the male jawline. I know under their clothes what there is. These are physical realities that as a woman who likes women, I just can't ignore. Amy said she would feel this way even if a trans woman had undergone surgery, which some opt for, but many don't. Soon afterwards, Amy and her girlfriend split up. Wow, this made them break up? I mean, that might not be the reason, but it sounds like it. It sounds like it was probably the reason. And I only hope that Amy was the one who ended the relationship with this toxic human being that tried to guilt trip her into having sex with someone else. That's so wrong. And if you think about it, so the lesbian couple, if it was a man that's identifying as a man and she was like, oh no, I'm not attracted to men, sorry, we wouldn't call her sexist. No, she wouldn't be a misandrist just yeah. for that reason. I mean, it's, it's okay to have a sexual orientation. Yeah. But from what she says, it sounds like Amy was the one who got broken up with. And it sounds like it was about this. I remember she was extremely shocked and angry and claimed my views were extremist propaganda and inciting violence oh towards the trans community, as well as comparing me to far right groups, she said, which I understand far right groups to be Nazis. So, and based on someone saying earlier, if I was in a room with you and Hitler, oh I would gosh. strangle you with the belt. I have to imagine she was being called a Nazi by her then girlfriend. And that's probably what led to this breakup. There's more coming up on this. And it gets so much more bizarre, so much worse than what we started out with. 603-283-6160. You can weigh in. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to weigh in with your thoughts and opinions. That's 603-283-6160. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And we're talking about this story here where evidently uh, lesbians are having their their sexual identity as lesbians sort of erased by this pressure from sometimes individual trans women but that seems to be more uncommon. There, there seems to be a lot more of a sort of social pressure going on here. And that's where Chloe comes in. She felt so pressured that she ended up having sex with a trans woman at university after repeatedly explaining she was not interested. They lived near each other in halls of residence. Chloe had been drinking and does not think she could have given proper consent. She says, I felt very bad for hating every moment because the idea is we are attracted to gender rather than sex. And I did not feel that. And I felt bad for feeling like that. That is so awful. That is. And that's not because any particular trans woman ever said like, hey, you, if, if you don't 
if you're if you're not interested in me, you're transphobic. It's because there's some sort of underlying social pressure here that the trans community has to deal with because stuff like this is clearly happening and it has to be dealt with. Ashamed and embarrassed, she decided not to tell anyone. The language at the time was very much trans women are women. They are always women's women. Lesbians should date them. And I was like, that's the reason I rejected this person. Does that make me bad? Am I not going to be allowed to be in the LGBTQ community anymore? Look, the LGBTQ community was the one that created those circumstances where you felt pressured into doing this in the first place. Just do like me and don't have anything to do with that community because it's toxic. It's toxic because it's doing stuff like this. Am I going to face repercussions for that? So I didn't tell anyone. Hearing about experiences like these led one lesbian activist to begin researching the topic. Angela Wilde is co-founder of Get the L Out, whose members believe the rights of lesbians are being ignored by much of the current LGBTQ movement, which based on what we're seeing here, I kind of agree with it. She and her fellow activists have demonstrated at pride marches in the UK where they have faced opposition. Pride in London accused the group of, quote, bigotry, ignorance, and hatred. Lesbians are still extremely scared to speak because they think they won't be believed because the trans ideology is so silencing everywhere, she said. And look, trans people aren't very common. And Dave Chappelle is Dave Chappelle. But there was a legit possibility, very brief, that the trans community was going to successfully get Dave Chappelle special kicked off of Netflix. Yeah. That's a disproportionate amount of power. To, to pretend like that level of power being wielded recklessly in ways that they don't intend to pressure lesbians into having sex with trans women can't possibly happen is dangerous. And it's not just trans women that are doing stuff like this. It's mostly other people speaking on trans women's behalf. Very true. Or, you know, trans people in general speaking on their behalf. And we saw that a lot with, for another example, with the Black Lives Matter thing. It was pretty much a bunch of white girls that were speaking for black people. Yeah. And it's like, no, isn't that the whole point? Like, it's their time to talk now, but... It's, you know, people just always have to be the, like, they have to be the hero. Well, I, I don't know any of the trans employees at Netflix who were upset at Dave Chappelle or whatever, but based on how upset they were about Netflix running the latest special, I can't imagine that they wouldn't cry foul, foul if some lesbian told them, no, I'm not interested in you, yeah. you're, you're trans. Because that, that's just sort of the mindset they, they breed, that you know, they, they have to be 100% accepted, and that includes by lesbians, or everyone is transphobic. I, I also don't know why it's a huge surprise that lesbians might not like penises. I mean, to me, that, <laughs> like that, that's that like makes common per- sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we don't hear about the issue in the other direction, where trans men, which is a woman tra- who transitioned to a man is upset because a gay guy doesn't want to have anything to do with her. Yeah. We hear that and we go, well, of course, idiot. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But when it comes to lesbians, suddenly it doesn't make sense anymore. And I'm like, no, this, the same rules still apply. And it's it's not weird. It's normal. Lesbians are still extremely scared to speak because they think they won't be believed. Angela created a questionnaire for lesbians and distributed it, distributed it via social media, then published the results. 
She said that of the 80 women who did respond, which is not a very large pool of people, 56% reported being pressured or coerced to accept a trans woman as a partner. While acknowledging the sample may not be representative of the wider lesbian community, she believes it was important to capture their points of views and stories. Well, that's at least more than 40 lesbians who reported being pressured or coerced yeah. into having a particular sexual partner. And once again, being pressured or coerced is rape. Yeah. It's not sex. As well as experiencing pressure to go on dates or engage in sexual activity with trans women, some of the respondents reported being successfully persuaded to do so. Okay, so it's not at least 40 women who were raped. Some of, They just felt pressure. So let me clarify that. I thought I would be called a transphobe or that it would be wrong of me to turn down a trans woman who wanted to exchange nude pictures, one wrote. Young women feel pressure to sleep with trans women, quote, to prove I am not a turf. Oh, God. Which is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And that's a culture created by trans women who created the word turf to describe cis women. I, I don't think it was ever meant to apply to lesbians. But obviously, I, I guess there are there, there could be some lesbians out there who are like, no, you're a man. But having that and not wanting to have a relationship with you because of the parts of your body are totally different things. One woman reported tar- being targeted in an online group. I was told that homosexuality doesn't exist. And I owed it to my trans sisters to unlearn my, quote, genital confusion so I can enjoy having sex with them. What? Yes. And now this is in an online group, right? Not not in the real world, but the fact that it happened at all yeah. is horrifying. That that is not at all okay. And the, that that's sort of what the argument is here. Homosexuality, she was told that homosexuality doesn't exist, which is counter to everything the LGBT community has been saying for like the yeah. last 60 years. They are very confused. Whoever is doing this is very, very confused. They're very, they're complicating everything when really it should just be, I mean, to me and you, we seem to agree that it's pretty obvious. Yes. The way like these social rules and social norms should be like rape is, it's a pretty like black and white topic, you know, pretty black and white issue. What? What I'm noticing here is they're not actually pointing to very many trans women who are saying, hey, no, look, you have to date me or you have to have relations with me or whatever. Otherwise, you're transphobic. They're just talking about this massive social pressure or other people who may or may not be trans allies, most likely speaking up and saying, oh, no, you, you can't do this. That's transphobic. Not seeing yet any actual trans women who said, hey, no. You're transphobic if you're not interested in me. One of these women compared going on dates with trans women to so-called conversion therapy, the controversial practice of trying to change someone's sexual orientation. Well, yeah, because it, it kind of is conversion therapy. I knew I wasn't attracted to her, but internalized the idea that it was because of my trans misogyny. Oh, God. And that if I dated them for long enough, I could start to be attracted to them. It was DIY, do-it-yourself, conversion therapy, she wrote. And this is real. This is happening. 
And it's because trans people have created so much pressure that you have to accept them as just totally normal women. And this is something I've avoided since I transitioned. I'm like, look, yeah. I've never actually asked anyone to call me she or her or to call me a woman or whatever. And I said, if you're going to, you still kind of have to put an asterisk there. I'm not just a woman. I'm a trans woman. And I don't care if you recognize that because I recognize that. Yeah. That is who I am. Another reported a trans woman physically forcing her to have sex after they went on a date, which by any standard is rape. They threatened to out me me as a turf and risk my job if I refused to sleep with her. I was told I was too young to argue and had been brainwashed by queer theory, so she was a woman, even if every fiber of my being was screaming throughout, so I agreed to go home with her. Oh my gosh, that is so messed up. It is, and there's there's more stories like these, and the article gets into them, and this is an issue that needs to be talked about, and a lot of trans women are speaking up saying, hey, this needs to be talked about. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. That's 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable, and no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved, to stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down, and to put you in control of your own happiness so you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where your calls and thoughts are welcome. Whether you want to carry on with what we've been discussing or change the subject entirely, it's up to you. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to call in. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria and Nikki, and we have a, a an alternative story to this coming up that is calling the BBC transphobic over over this article that they have run. And for those who haven't been listening, the article here describes in detail well not not in detail this massive social pressure. They, they haven't explicitly identified any trans women who said anything like, you have to be willing to date me or you're transphobic. I think there was just that last one. Where, which yeah. was the, the trans woman who didn't respect the fact that the lesbian was too drunk to have consented. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, which, But I, that's the only one that we've heard of. And, and that's seriously messed up in its own right. Yeah. But as far as I'm aware, I don't... Re- call that person saying oh well you you have to be willing i think i think she said that she was blackmailing her if i remember correctly it's not impossible but i don't think the article is transphobic i think it raises a serious issue that people in the trans community need to actually deal with because this social pressure is evidently very real 
But let's go to the phones. We have Bad Slave calling from New Hampshire. Bad Slave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Aria. Hi, Nikki. Thank you for taking my call. I just want to say that uh, in in my, you know, and, and, and you can confirm this or not, you know, uh, Aria, be, but um, it occurs to me that, that all the interactions that that I see of 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 uh, trans, trans women people, yeah, women, mostly women. I don't think the the men are this way because they're originally feminine in a sense, I guess. Uh, but um, the 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 ones who transition from men to to women, uh, you know, I mean, even the even the uh, uh panel discussion with Ben Shapiro and 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 that that football player trans person I don't know you, who I you're talking know. about you caught that one oh, okay never mind no, I mean so, uh, so what's your opinion on this well my opinion is that is that trans people are naturally somehow you know more likely to be just not fun people, not great people, not, you know, the... I think I'm probably one of uh, an extremely fun person. Well, I, and I, and I, I would consider you definitely, uh, you know, on the other side of that, as you say. Uh, But, uh, but I think that, uh, you know, and and you, you may have more contacts with, uh, you know, the, you know that they're just that they they have higher expectations than what just normal people have. I don't think they have higher expectations. They have unrealistic expectations. Like I know a fair number of trans. I was walking down the streets of Keene um, back when I was running for sheriff, and I I happened across yeah. someone who recognized me. They stopped and they introduced me to quote a trans woman friend of theirs who had a full on. Five o'clock shadow, shaved head, something like two hundred and eighty pounds, and I, I I walked away from the situation as fast as I could because there was no way I could bring myself to call this person a she. And yeah. I know what the trans community would say about this because I would have called this person he if I had used a pronoun. They're like, "Well, you're you're just making their gender dysphoria worse by calling them he." No, that beard is making the gender dysphoria worse. If you want to be treated like a woman, if you want to feel like a woman, do something. To achieve that, yep. don't expect other people to put in the work for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I actually, you know, watch uh, uh, Blair White's uh, podcasts, and 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 man, she's done a she's done a great job getting herself looking like a woman, and uh, you know that counts. And I've complimented. Uh, I don't know people. anything about Blair White, but I mean, really. No, That's I mean, interesting. Why, why would I? Uh, I, I don't a, care what other talking pop- heads have to say. She's a popular uh, uh, YouTuber. Um, yeah, I don't anyway. care what she has to say, but I mean, sure. Uh, plastic surgery is not very expensive. I have a vocal surgery consultation coming up next month. It's just something that, you know, I hadn't really felt the urgent need to do. Yeah. But now I'm like, look, if I'm really going to be talking for a living, I would want my voice to more accurately reflect how I'm trying to appear. 
and you know, there's some facial cos- reconstruction, not facial reconstruction, but there's some face facial cosmetic surgery and stuff like that in the works. But that's just a matter of plastic surgery. And I agree, you know, those things are good. It makes it easier for people. But if someone is just willing to put in the effort, I'm willing to work with them. Right. But if they're not willing to put right. in the effort, I don't require them to have any sort of plastic surgery or vocal feminization surgery. And I know one person who just started transitioning and they're, I'm, I'm going with there at this point. They're super excited about vocal training surgery. I'm not vocal training surgery, vocal training and all of this stuff. Having tried that crap for years, it's completely ineffective. So I, I don't blame people for their voices. I don't blame them for having, you know, prominent brow bones or a deep voice or square shoulders. All of that stuff's beyond their control. But you could at least shave maybe. <laughs> yeah, but you could at least shave the beard. I mean, that's the position I'm right, coming right. from with it. And if And if they're willing to meet me halfway... Because gender norms, they are a thing. That's the whole reason that gender and sex are differentiated in modern society. I get it. Okay. Your sex is male, but your gender is female because you identify as a female. Fine. Whatever. But if you want me to respect that, then do the things that the gender that we know to be female in our heads is going to correspond for me so that I don't have to put in the work that you're willing to refuse to put in. That's how I feel about it. As long as people will meet me halfway, and thank you so much for the uh, call tonight, Bad Slave. As long as people are willing to meet me halfway with some level of effort, then I will put in the effort to address them how they want to be addressed. Yeah. But if they're not willing to even meet me halfway, if they just want to sit there in, in men's clothes with a beard and a shaved head and be like, no, I want you to call me female, well, sorry. And to me, like that's a little weird. Like nothing really confuses me about trans people, but it does confuse me when someone wants to be I called her she, but looks like a man and dresses like a man and has a beard and a shaved head. Like you would expect that person to identify as a man, but for some reason using feminine pronouns, to me, that makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, do whatever you want to do, but you can't be really upset when people are misgendering you, you know? But the trans community would say that I'm being transphobic by even having these positions, and I disagree entirely. I care about that person who I encountered on the street. I care about their mental health so much so that I want them to actually do something that is causing them to experience gender dysphoria. Instead of having me do something, instead of having me put a Band-Aid on it, Let's get this person to actually take some steps so that they feel the way that they they identify, so that they look the way they identify. Let's actually address the gender dysphoria instead of pretending like it's not there. Because me calling this person her or she wasn't going to help at all. But shaving that beard probably would be a good place to start. So this article goes on. While welcomed by some in the LGBTQ community... Oh, I skipped this part. So... They threatened, they keep saying they here, but it's editor's notes, and I'm assuming the actual speaker wrote she. She threatened to out me as a turf and risk my job if I refused to sleep with them. Oh, no, we did get into that. They used Yeah, that's the one that I was remembering. Yes, they used physical force when I changed my mind upon seeing them and raped me. Angela's report was described as transphobic by (sighs) others. And it's so frustrating because if a cis male did that to somebody, the the LGBT community would be all over it. They would be crucifying him. But if a trans woman does it, like it's somehow okay, and then she's transphobic for getting raped, like that makes absolutely no sense. It makes none at all. And it's always okay to withdraw consent. 
you don't have to give a reason if someone gets undressed and you're about to have sex with them it is always 100% okay to say you know what no I don't want to do this anymore and if it doesn't end there then it's rape so that's it's not transphobia to call that rape yeah it's immoral it's evil to act like that's anything but rape and that shouldn't have to be spelled out it's free talk live It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. If you'd like to join us, weigh in on the topic at hand, or change the subject, talk about whatever you want. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And last year, we told you about Intercoin, which can help any business or organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. Now, Intercoin.org has launched worldwide, so if there's a token you want to launch or an app you want to build, go to Intercoin.org, enter your email, and the team there will get in touch with you to learn about your needs. And while you're there, if you want, get some of the Intercoin investor tokens for yourself. That's Intercoin.org, I-N-T-E-R-Coin.org. Let's go to the phones we have Kadu calling. Kadu, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, uh, I've been suffering from a serious case of genital confusion and uh i sort of am too after this article just to help um aid in my healing process can i can i ask lrn.fm uh you can't say that sorry gotta drop your call there a little bit too vulgar there could but we do have a dump button so luckily that went into effect Anyway, we have Dave calling from New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, caught me off guard there. I thought he was going to go for at least 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was a bit surprised as well. I mean, it, it's, not the, it's not the question that we necessarily have to object to, but the terminology used. Yeah, radio rules. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question so, for freer Talk Live. We don't have one currently scheduled, but... That's a good question for Free or Talk Live, not the radio show. So what's on your mind tonight, Dave? I had an epiphany the other day, about nine months late. Um, and, uh, you know, thinking about that, uh, our, our, you know, our Pearl Harbor, the, the 316, the raid on you, uh, your studio, and so many Bitcoiners around New Hampshire yeah. uh, by the feds. Um, there, I think we learned something important from that and from the aftermath from it, from it that hasn't been discussed much yet. There Is that that, that we it. should have gone to Japan on March the 15th? Oh, uh, maybe. But <laughs> that's one thing, maybe. But um, there used to be this sort of, uh, I, think a, I think of it as sort of an Eric Voorhees or Adam Kokesh approach where like, hmm, yeah, this Free State Project thing is really interesting. We're really interested in moving to New Oh, what's that thing over there? It's a shiny Bitcoin. And they, and they just sort of, I don't, actually, Adam didn't cancel any plans, but uh, I think uh, they, they both kind of had this idea that that's the key to getting our freedom is, 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 you know, is Bitcoin and the monetary freedom and so forth. And uh, I think what we learned on 316 was that the, actually the Bitcoin community, although the Bitcoin itself is great, I love it, um, and I, I love those guys, but the the Bitcoin community actually was not useful at all, it, it, almost, in uh, defending um, 
you guys when you were arrested. And I well, certainly not. So there's more. there's a huge rift in the Bitcoin community be- between the Bitcoin community and the libertarian Bitcoin community. We're motivated by philosophical reasons. The Bitcoin community, they just want to make money. They don't care about the philosophical reasons behind Bitcoin or destroying the Fed or decentralizing the currency or freeing people so their lives aren't being destroyed by inflation. They don't care about any of that. They just care about making money. The libertarian faction of the Bitcoin community also did not impress me. There was only there was hardly any coverage at all in the Bitcoin press, which. Uh, is you know widespread as a lot of Bitcoin press now. CoinDesk is the only, maybe a couple others, you know, were the only ones that did good reports at all uh, on what you. I envisioned in 2017 that the Bitcoin community, and I think I was part of this, the Bitcoin community could rise up together when members of, you know, at least some of them could rise up when some of them were targeted, and um, they just didn't. Not even in the form of telling people that it happened. Well, I don't know that I agree. I can't Google everything that's going on. I know that The Verge wrote a really lengthy and fair article. Almost, It almost seemed like we converted the guy who wrote The Verge article to our philosophical understanding of cryptocurrency and the reasons that we believe in it as a valuable tool yeah, for securing again, liberty. He's another one of the exceptions. He's another one of the exceptions like, uh, like, uh, like Coindesk was. But I mean, Bitcoin.com just, also wrote an article about us. I mean, it's, it's good, hard yeah. to get bigger covers just, than Bitcoin.com. Most of them just ignored it, and what happened was who is who is most was, of them? The, I don't know. I just could never. I could hardly ever find any articles about it in, in the Bitcoin. Well, press. you said CoinDesk I, covered I, it, Bitcoin.com covered it, yes. The Verge covered there's, it. There's, there's dozens. There's dozens and dozens of outlets, and the coverage. Was but you can't name limited, one of them, actually. Uh, uh, of the other crypto outlets, well, I stopped reading them once once I noticed they weren't doing what I thought would be helpful for us. I just and so I've kind of forgotten what they. But there are dozens of them out there, and I went through them carefully in in April to see which 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 of them had bothered to to cover this this event. But but what I, but the positive side of this is that the free staters I I feel like have come through to a large extent, and, it, and it's a vindication of the idea of gathering in one physical location. Uh, where where you can provide some degree of logistical support to one another when a when an when an event of this type happens. If it had, if this if this hammer had fallen uh, on a cryptocurrency people somewhere else, and having only the Bitcoin community to fall back on, it just would it would have been much more of a disaster than it was for for you guys. It feels like to me. I don't know. Yeah, Dave, I actually not, totally agree with you with that because like right after the raid happened. Watching this community come together, especially like the people directly in Keene and like Southern New Hampshire. Oh, Keene came together the day yeah, of the raid. Literally, like yeah, seconds after. I mean, we had well, people yeah, on the I mean, street Chris, filming. So Chris Chris Wade was on the street, you know, right yeah. in front of the raid. Ten minutes into it, so yeah. Uh, so you know, just one, yeah. Yeah, the the sirens went off. You know, the uh, the alert went out, and he was there within minutes. So being in a community, like watching everybody. And even the ad, uh, advocism that you did, Dave, was really yeah. awesome with the Bitcoin Gandhi stuff. But watching everybody come together, I mean, we had people coming here, fixing the windows that were smashed. You know, people were helping Bonnie with things, was that stuff that she needed. It was just like really heartwarming to see like, wow, this is a community that cares. So I, I, do, I do hear you with what you're saying there, Dave. So that's why we needed this in addition to a new currency. That's why we needed the raid? 
Well, the Free State Project. Okay, okay, okay. Just wanted to be clear. I mean, absolutely, the Free State Project uh, is important. Getting more people to New Hampshire. I'm just going to quote something I said to the Verge article uh, author here, and it's that's I'm just quoting something I said elsewhere, and that's uh, to be honest, one Free Stater on the jury is going to hang the jury, and it's going to cause a mistrial. At, at the very least, that's assuming the free stater doesn't win them over. And there's something like 5,000 free staters in New Hampshire now. So having a bunch of liberty-minded people in one geographic area is definitely a good idea. If there were 20,000 free staters here, yeah. it would be even better. But even with just the 5,000, we've gotten something like 40 liberty free state reps in the state house. So we've got this constitutional amendment coming forward that would hopefully allow the United States to leave. I mean... To leave New Hampshire alone, I mean, it would allow New Hampshire to secede peaceably from the United States. So the Free State Project has been massively successful, and more people are coming here every day. We hope more people continue to come here every day. I don't think it was, you know, the Crypto 6 or the March 16th raise that caused any of this. I tend to think COVID had a lot more to do with it. And the only reason we aren't seeing more people is because properties just aren't for sale here in New Hampshire. It's a great place to be. When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live, where you can call in and talk about whatever you want. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. That's 603-283-6160. And be warned, if you want to discuss the topic ahead, you have to choose your wording very carefully. We've been making it a point to do that all night because, obviously, the FCC has rules, and we have to abide by those in order to stay on radio stations. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And this article goes on. Trans YouTuber Rose of Dawn, evidently that's her channel name, has discussed this issue that we've been talking about, which is where lesbian women feel like they're being pressured sometimes they they are legit being pressured by trans individuals but they just feel a sense of pressure to have to accept trans women sexually as women this is something i've seen happen in real life to friends of mine this was happening before i started my channel and it was one of the things that spurred it on said rose what's happening is women who are attracted to biological females and female parts are finding themselves put in very awkward positions where if, for example, on a dating website, a trans woman approaches them and they say, sorry, I'm not into trans women, then they are labeled as transphobic. Now, just imagine, substitute transphobic and trans women with any other demographic, and it will be obvious how absurd this is. If a man approached her and said, and she says, sorry, I'm not into men. Should they be labeled as misandrists for that? Obviously not. She just has a sexual orientation. And one of the messed up things the article still hasn't gotten into it is how they're characterizing this as just a matter of preference. Well, they, she just prefers this. No, this is her sexual orientation. That's not a choice. It's not a preference. It's her orientation. 
and for years we've been told to respect that suddenly yeah. because it's inconvenient to the trans community they're being pressured into not accepting that and by and large it does seem to be very rare for a trans woman to try to play this card like you you have to do this or you're transphobic evidently it does happen i'm not saying it doesn't but the majority of this just seems to be a social pressure from just the lgbtq left as a whole rose made this video in response to a series of tweets by trans athlete veronica ivy then known as rachel mckinnon who wrote about hypothetical scenarios where trans people are rejected and argued that quote genital preferences are transphobic again like how though i don't even understand how these people are defending this position because to them saying that you're not interested in being with a trans woman is just flat out transphobic because I, I can get behind okay trans women are women i can get behind that absolutely but if they have different body parts that lesbians might not like Yes, it's not a then, preference, it's an orientation. Yes. I find the use of preferences here to be to be really undermining of the lesbian and gay communities. Because they're not preferences. I can't get into the tweets that they talk about because they're, they're really vulgar and not important. But they do cite some tweets here. Rose believes these views, which are the views that we've been talking about just now, where having a preference makes one transphobic, are incredibly toxic. She believes the idea that dating preferences are transphobic is being pushed by radical trans activists and their, quote, self-proclaimed allies who have extreme views who don't reflect the views of trans women she knows in real life. Yeah, that's sort of my take on it as well. I don't know any trans women who would say this. Certainly from my own friends group, the trans women I'm friends with, almost all of them agree Lesbians are free to exclude trans women from their dating pool. I, I can't believe that's even a remotely controversial statement in any segment of the population. However, she believes even trans people are afraid to talk openly about this for fear of abuse, for fear of being cannibalized by the very yeah. community that they're part of by definition. Well, I mean, that happens to you all the time, Aria. I feel like every day on Facebook, I'm seeing somebody calling you transphobic or, you know, some other name. It does happen a lot. I mean, they're, they're cannibals, and I stepped outside the narrow little box that they think. Imagine that. You want to open up sexuality and gender and identity and allow people to be whatever they want to be, express themselves however they want, as long as they fit inside your stupid little box. Right. And if they step outside that box, then they're too much of an individual. They're exploring themselves and their identities too much, and they have to be crucified in the in the same degree or worse, as this other uh, lesbian talked about earlier, than Hitler. When that That's for those who weren't listening, so then crazy. this lesbian because she refused to date a trans woman was told that you know if I was in a room with you and Hitler. I would strangle you, not Hitler. <laughs> That's like, oh my gosh. And I, I might be un- misunderstood here, but um, I would assume that bisexual people would mainly go, would mainly date trans women and not lesbians. But I don't, I mean, obviously it's up to people to like decide what they're identifying as. That's sort of but... how I feel about it. If someone is 
is interested in dating me or having any sort of relationship with me, then they have to be bisexual. That would make sense to me. Or pansexual, which is basically the same thing. Yeah. But I wouldn't expect a heterosexual male to be interested in a relationship with me. And I wouldn't expect a lesbian to be interested in a relationship with me. Instead, I have this... This huge pool of people to operate from who are bisexual and pansexual because whether or not people admit it or realize it, bisexual, bisexuality and pansexuality, they're far more common than than heterosexual, than heterosexual men and lesbian women. It's what I'm trying to say. The trans activist side is incredibly rabid against people who they see as stepping out of line. I might have to. Ask my handler for permission to check out this person's YouTube channel because she sounds like something who she sounds like someone I would agree with and, you know, actually want to listen to. Debbie Hayden, a science teacher who transitioned in 2012 and writes about trans issues, worries some people transition without realizing how hard it will be to form relationships. And this is a good point. Although there is currently very little data on the sexual orientation of trans women, She believes most are female attracted because they are biologically male and most males are attracted to women. The vast majority of trans women that I know are attracted to men. I think I'm one of the outliers in that I prefer women. So when trans women are trying to find partners, when lesbian women say we want women and heterosexual women say they want a heterosexual man, that leaves trans women isolated from relationships and possibly feeling very let down by society angry and upset and feeling that the world is out to get them, she said. Does it, though? Because as we just kind of said, most people probably fall into the bisexual, pansexual pool. Yeah, but... I mean, I guess, like, location matters. So, like, for example, if you're in rural Mississippi, you probably don't have too many, you know, gay people or, you know, open bisexual people or so. That's certainly true. I mean, there's plenty of men out there who wouldn't want to, who who are bisexual, but wouldn't want to be seen publicly dating a trans woman. Those people are just cowards. I wouldn't want to date someone like that in the first place. Yeah. I don't want to have anything to do with someone who's like, hey, yeah, look, I'm interested in you, but we got to keep it quiet. I, I can't let my cousin know or my brother know or my family know that. Okay, then there's nothing for them to know. Get out of my life and never speak to me again because out of all of the things I don't have time for, cowardice is at the bottom of that list. Debbie thinks it's fine if a lesbian woman does not want to date a trans woman. I, I, I would tend to agree, and I, and I can't believe that that even has to be argued. But Debbie is concerned some are being pressured to do so, and I agree that's also concerning me. The way that shaming is used is just horrific. It's emotional manipulation and warfare that is going on. These women who want to form relationships with other biological women are feeling bad about that. How did we get here? And this article is going to continue talking about how exactly we got to this point. But we we, we can't deny as a, as a community, as the LGBT community, we can't deny that this is very clearly happening enough that we're not even halfway through this article. That's how bad this has actually gotten. And no one's really talking about it. And the people who do talk about it, like myself, are called transphobic for having these common sense positions on it. What are your thoughts? Weigh in 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It 
It's Free Talk Live, where you can weigh in with your thoughts and opinions. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And we're talking about this serious issue that it's difficult to even talk about because I, I just know that someone out there is going to hear this show and is going to immediately write me off as transphobic. Because th- this happened when I ran for sheriff a lot, too, where uh, when I did the Reddit AMA, a lot of people were just saying, oh, well, surprise, Arya is also transphobic. And I'm, I'm just sitting here as a trans person who's just trying to be reasonable being called transphobic. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. And that's the culture that has been cultivated here where lesbians feel like if they aren't interested in dating a trans woman, then they're going to be called transphobic. And sadly, they, they are concerned about that because that that could very well happen. Honestly, I feel like 10 years ago, this wouldn't be happening. Like 10 years ago, it'd be like, oh yeah, lesbians generally don't go after trans women. Like that makes sense. And it still makes sense to me. Yeah. But, but we um, wouldn't be having like seeing articles like this or there wouldn't be that societal pressure or that social pressure on lesbians to have to entertain being in a relationship with a trans woman that they're not actually sexually attracted to. Absolutely. Something has changed within the last yeah. decade or so. But to be clear, they have not pointed to very many specific examples of trans women who personally exploited this and manipulated people directly into having some sort of relationship with them. Most of it has just been this sort of social pressure, which we see a lot of in in regards to like heterosexual men saying, oh, no, I'm not dating a trans woman. And the LGBTQ community just flips out and goes, oh, you're transphobic. It's like, no, he he just has an orientation and that's okay. They call it a preference, but I'm trying to to break that because an orientation is one thing. Look, I'm pansexual, which means I don't generally take gender or sex into account when choosing partners. I do want to choose in relationships because I prefer women yeah. for relationships and things like that. That's a preference. Open to both, but I prefer one. Asking, okay, well, do you want to go to the grocery store or do you want to go to prison? Asking, do you want to do this thing that you want to do or do you want to do this thing that you don't want to do? That's not a preference. That's a matter of consent. Yeah. And this framing sexual orientation as a preference is just a way of masking the fact that what they're talking about here is your orientation is irrelevant and it's okay for people to rape you if they don't fall in line with your orientation. And not only is this issue harmful to the lesbians that are facing it, but it's also harmful to the trans people, I would argue as well. Yeah, because most people assume I'm just one of these crazy trans people who's going to flip out and start throwing stuff in GameStop, but I'm not. I'm the type of trans woman who went to GameStop and made a spoof video of that <laughs> with the GameStop employees. Yeah. And I called it Macho Mam Tranny Savage Flips Out. <laughs> it was great. A lot of fun to do. But the, the staff there was in on it. They didn't know it was coming because yeah. I was sort of ruined it. But as soon as I started, they knew what was going on. And it was a lot of fun. But yeah, most people just assume, oh, I got to tiptoe and be careful. And I don't know what to do. Like when I started the, the job that I just sort of still work at, but only barely, the on-duty manager asked me, "Look, I don't know how to ask this, so is the name that we're going to be paying you the name that we're going to be calling you? And I'm like, look, I'm not, I have enough problems in my life where I don't care 
what name you put on the paycheck. I care more about the fact that you're going to pay me <laughs> than what name you're going to put on it. But a lot of trans people are like, no, that's that's a that's an offensive question. How dare you ask that? Like, how sheltered are you, people? If your employer asking what name should we put on your paycheck is yeah. an offensive question. And I would feel comfortable having to exist in life, having people walk around on eggshells around me and being afraid to ask me questions. And I mean, that just sucks. It does. I was at a Dollar Tree here. I don't remember what I was doing there because I haven't been to Dollar Tree in like two years. But I was there for some reason and some little kid asked her mom, is that a man or a woman? And the mother goes, Shh, don't don't ask those sorts of questions. I'm like, why are you silencing this yeah. child's curiosity this is a perfect opportunity for you to explain to your child the the great varieties of human beings that exist in the world. Instead, you're like, no, curiosity, bad. You can't ask that question. Yeah. No, I, I would be happy to answer your child's question if you could just direct your child. Say, hey, I don't know. Ask them. And I would have been happy to answer. Yeah. But nowadays, you'll never know if you could have been one of the crazy people and flipped right. out at the kids. So it's like, it, like for- it's bad that it has to be that way. So Stonewall is the largest LGBT organization in the United Kingdom and Europe. The author asked the charity about these issues, but it was unable to provide anyone for an interview. However, in a statement, Chief Executive Nancy Kelly likened not wanting to date trans people to not wanting to date people of color, fat people, or disabled people. And I I just have to... I, I, I'm not going to weigh in on whether or not one not whether or not wanting to date a black person or not wanting to date a black person is racism. I'm not weighing in on that one. I'm going to address the the fat people and the disabled people thing because yeah, I, I wouldn't date either of those either because for, for one, I'm not attracted to fat people, and nothing is going to change that. So I don't see that as being a problem. That's not a preference. That's that's a reality. A preference would be, well, would you rather have a skinny girl or a skinny guy? That's that's a preference for me as someone who's pansexual. But a skinny person versus a fat person isn't a preference. It's a, do you want to do a thing that you do want to do? Or do you want to be forced to do a thing that you don't want to do? Which, as we've said, is a matter of consent, not a matter of preference. She said, sexuality is personal and something which is unique to each of us. Well, unless your sexuality prohibits you from having sex with people of color fat people or disabled people or trans people then it's not personal then it's then it's transphobia or racism or fat phobia or just or ableism i guess and i wouldn't necessarily have a problem with dating a disabled person it would be you know what kind of disability we're we talking like a yeah. quadriplegic here because no i don't think i could do that because i'm just a very energetic person but like a blind person or a deaf person, a deaf person, sure. Yeah. There is no right way to be a lesbian, and only we can know who we're attracted to. Nobody should ever be pressured into dating or pressured into dating people they aren't attracted to. But if you find that when dating, you are writing off entire groups of people, like people of color, fat people, disabled people, or trans people, then it's worth considering how societal prejudices may have shaped your attractions. Uh, I don't think so. I don't either. And I'm generally of the impression that lesbians, gay, bisexual people, trans people are born that way and not having their orientations 
shaped by societal prejudices because for the last 30 years, the LGBTQ community has spent the t- their time telling me that people are just born with their sexual orientations and that they're not just being shaped by societal prejudices. But now, in the name of making sure that trans women are treated like they're just totally normal hetero uh, cisgender women, all of that's getting thrown out the window. We know that prejudice is still common in the LGBTQ community, and it's important that we talk about that openly and honestly. So Stonewall was founded in 1989 by people opposed to what was known as Section 28, which was legislation which stopped councils and schools from, quote, promoting homosexuality. The organization changed in 2015 and announced that it would campaign for trans equality. So a new group, LGB Alliance, has been formed partly in response to the change of focus by people who believe the interests of LGB people are being left behind. And I have to say, I've said LGBT so many times in my life that I have to stop myself from saying LGBT when I say LGB. But I totally get why that's a thing. And if they want to have, if they want to exclude trans people from their alliance, I'm fine with that. Because lesbian, being gay, lesbian, or bisexual, those are matters of sexual orientation, whereas trans is a matter of sexual identity. I get why they're commonly looped in together, but they're not exactly, or gender identity, they're not exactly the same thing. So moving on, the LGB Alliance says it is particularly concerned about younger and therefore more vulnerable lesbians being pressured into relationships with trans women. It's very disturbing that you find people saying, it doesn't happen. Nobody pressures anyone to go to bed with anyone else. But we know that this isn't the case. We know a minority of trans women do pressure lesbians to go out with them. And it's a very disturbing phenomenon. But again... It's mostly social pressure from everything this article has said. There's probably some minority of trans women who are individually exerting pressure, but the vast majority of it is just this sort of toxic, aggressive, ravenous, cannibalistic culture that the trans community has created, that the LGBTQ plus community has created on behalf of trans women. And that's the issue. We co- when we come back, we're going to talk about the other side of the story because someone else is arguing that this, everything we've been saying, agreeing with these people, is transphobic. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com free talk live it 
Free Talk Live. Your calls and thoughts are welcome. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And we've been we've been talking about this article that it talks about this major issue that is something I had never given any thought to. But now that I've learned about it, I'm like, you know what? That makes perfect sense and i can i can see exactly how this would come about as a result of the lgbtq and allies in particular because i I suspect the vast majority of this is being pushed by people who are not actually lgbt yeah but who are allies which is lesbians feel compelled pressure coerced into having relationships with trans women even though they're not actually interested in it and it's the article itself kept conflating sexual orientation with preferences and all of, all of this is transphobic apparently um when i when i learned about this article it was because people were accusing the bbc of being transphobic so in trying to find this article the first thing you came up with was exactly that which is yep yeah I, I didn't even find the art it was like the actual article was probably like 10 um, results down on Google from when I from what I googled. So this is the first one I found. The BBC's ignorance about trans women and sex is disgusting and dangerous. And under it, it has like a big red fear mongering sticker. I happen to. It really does. <laughs> I happen to find their their article to not be disgusting or dangerous i found it to be bringing to light a topic that i had never thought about before and that yeah clearly needs to be talked about i yeah i found it to be the exact opposite actually i think what's going on is disgusting and dangerous that Mm, lesbian women are feeling pressured by society to you know entertain relationships with trans women that they otherwise are not attracted to and i think that's really disgusting and dangerous and i think the bbc article brought that issue to light and i think that was a really positive and constructive thing but let's see what uh the daily beast has to say about this because clearly they do not agree with us let me just say this right up front if you do not want to have sex with me a transgender woman it is very likely i feel the same way about you well that's a good way to look at it yeah that's we're, we're off to a good start so far and even if you do want to make love to me or if I desire you, nothing we say or do can change my mind or yours. So long as we feel strongly opposed to becoming intimate for whatever reason, otherwise that's not sex, it's rape. And rape is violence, not sex. We call this a matter of consent. And it's not a new thing just because transgender is not, in fact, a new thing. Okay, we're off to a good start so, so far. Yep. I've heard nothing objectionable. Nope. Sounds reasonable. This concept of consent, however, is entirely glossed over in the BBC News Reporter's article. Uh, no, that's kind of what the whole thing was about. Yeah, it, it really was. So, it was about how, hey, we're being coerced into this. One woman, uh, a few of them even used the word rape, I believe. Yeah, so I'm... I don't know. This person must have misunderstood the article because I don't think we have the same. It seems like we haven't read the same article. I, I would tend to agree. <laughs> a lot of trans people who watched the Dave Chappelle special didn't seem to have watched the same special that I watched. Yeah. And I think this happens sometimes when people get they hear about a certain thing from, you know, uh, a different article or like their friends like 
their friends tell them, oh, the Dave Chappelle um, show was this, that, and the other thing. So then they watch it, and then they have that in the back of their head the whole time. So they're not watching it with a fresh pair of eyes. They're not watching it as themselves. They're watching it as their friends and as their friends' opinions. So I think it kind of taints people's own opinions on things. And I think that happens a lot in our society nowadays. I'm sure that it does. So this article goes on to continue. Some? Wait, what? Who? How many is some? And how many are we? I'm frankly ticked off that for someone whose resume shows... Does it matter how many is some? If it's one, it's too many. Exactly. I I shouldn't have to explain that. I think maybe what she's getting at here is that she thinks that it might be painting trans women in a bad light, but... okay. Which I can... But it it didn't really, though, because the article was mainly talking about... Societal Societal pressures, exactly. Maybe the the headline kind of made it seem like they were going to talk about individual trans women pressuring lesbians. And they did. There was that one who said, I'm going to out you as a turf and you're going to lose your job or whatever. So there was that one particular individual. But that one particular individual only has the power to do that because of the societal pressure. Yeah. If that societal pressure wasn't there and this person called up their job like, hey, I'm a trans woman and your lesbian employee refused to have sex with me. The the employer said, "Okay, she didn't (laughs) consent. That's that's her right. Yeah, because all all of this societal pressure that that lesbian may very well have been fired over that. So even those trans women who they cited, they wouldn't be able to do this nonsense if not for the societal pressure that was backing them. Exactly. That they're exploiting, acting, I have to say, like cis hetero men in the yeah. process. You have to do this thing or there will, you have to have sex with me or there will be terrible consequences. It's, it just feels to me like those particular trans women may not actually be trans. They're just exploiting the societal pressure to get and take what they want. That's what it sounds like. So this article continues to say, I'm frankly ticked off that for someone whose resume shows that they've been a journalist for a decade, Lowbridge sets an ironically new, very low threshold for balanced reporting and fact-checking in worse, spreads anti-transgender uh, propaganda, transphobia, and fear-mongering. I didn't... How? I got none of that from that article that we just read. I, did, did they want her to interview a bunch of... I mean, she she cited a bunch of trans women. Yeah, she cited trans women and lesbians. I mean, she she got people from both sides. And so. alarmingly, the trans women that she interviewed was like, yeah, you know, I've, I've seen this happen with friends of mine. Yeah. So maybe she didn't quote the other side of the story or she didn't go find the side of the story that you wanted to because that side of the story doesn't exist. Or when it yeah. does exist... It's people like me talking about it who get shouted down yep. as spreading anti-transgender f- propaganda, being transphobic, and just fear-mongering. Maybe that's why. It's because people can't talk about the other side of yeah, the story. Exactly. So through selective sourcing and questionable quotes, Lowbridge uses phrases like biological female and biological men biological male to frame cisgender lesbians as defenseless maidens and equate trans women with aggressive cisgender male sexual predators perhaps perhaps not so coincidentally what's funny is that i just kind of I, I i did that as well at least in regard to these specific trans women I, you I, must be transphobic i must be right 
I mean, if that's their explanation for what's going on on here is that, <sighs> no, what's actually going on is that Aria is just transphobic and spreading anti-transgender propaganda, then something is wrong here. They need a better argument than that. Now I'm a little confused. Is using the phrase biological female or biological male, is that like offensive? Is that transphobic? I've because never, I think I'm, it's like a pretty legitimate way to describe somebody. Yeah, and right? it's and it's important. It's an important way to describe somebody. Like, I'm never fin- offended when a doctor asks me because that's information that the doctor probably needs to know yeah. in order to assess my medical history. And the same thing is true when I'm dating someone or getting to know someone I may be dating or whatever. They sort of need to know that so they yeah. can gauge whether or not they're interested in me. I think that's an important disclaimer to make. Yeah. I mean, maybe it could become less important after, you know, surgeries and stuff like that. But still, I, I don't see anything particularly transphobic about referring to people as biological females or biologically males. It's it's sort of screwed up to assume that a person is just XY or XX or whatever. When yeah. we, What we're finding out is that there are more and more people who are like XYY or XXY or whatever. I, yeah. I don't remember exactly what. But bio- biology is a thing and it can't just be ignored because some people find it offensive. If it wasn't a thing, this is where I diverge for so many trans people. And this is why I use the phrase transsexual. And we're going to have to hold off until we get back to explain to this. I, I agree transgender is a thing, but transsexual is also a thing. And they have to be because gender is a thing and sex, sex is a thing. But to, to them, they're just synonyms. More on this coming up. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live, where we regularly get kicked off of social media platforms for, quote, spreading medical misinformation. Curious to see whether or not we're going to get suspended for any of these over tonight's episode and for, you know, spewing anti-transgender propaganda or transphobia or whatever. But one place we won't get kicked off of is our Odyssey channel. You can find it at video.freetalklive.com. It's backed by Library, which is a blockchain-based media sharing protocol. Odyssey is sort of like the website front end for that. It has now more than 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators who are upset about not being able to actually say things that shouldn't be controversial, yet for some reason are. So we're constantly getting strikes for that, but one place we won't be censored is over on our Odyssey channel. And if you're a YouTube creator, you should definitely you should definitely look into joining because it only takes a few minutes and they will import your entire YouTube art archive into library, which means you can never be taken off the internet. So check out our channel at video.freetalklive.com. Subscribe over there. That's video.freetalklive.com. We're talking about this article here from the Daily Beast that you found. And you asked me an interesting question during the commercial break, and I wanted to hold off and answer it on the air. You asked whether or not a trans woman who, you know, completely passable, unrecognizable as a trans woman who had had all the surgeries, had everything, should she tell someone, a prospective dating partner, whether or not that she was trans? And my answer to that is, I mean, yes, for the same reason that if a woman couldn't have kids was barren and she was, you know, out there dating people, it would be important to her because her experience is outside the norm to tell her date, hey, look, 
if you're looking for something serious, if you want to have a family or something like that, if you want to raise your own children, then I'm not the person for you because I can't have children. And that would probably lead to a follow-up question. Okay, well, why can't you have children? That would lead to some sort of additional explanation such as, well, I'm trans, which is, I think, a reasonable approach. I mean, generally, the reason people date is to enter into long-term relationships and have kids and procreate and go on to do it. That's not why I do it, but that's why most people do it. And you wouldn't tell them that you can have kids, right? Because that's the counter I get to that all the time. So you think that a woman should sit down with a with a man at a dinner and say, oh yes, by the way, if you want a family, I can help you out. Well, no, because that's what's normal. That's You don't have to explain to someone that you fall within normal parameters. But if you don't, and you know your expect their expectations, you don't line up with them, you should set that record straight at least before you've entered the bedroom. Once you've once you've gotten to that point, you've you've waited too late to to explain to this person that, hey, look, I know that you implicitly have these ex- expectations and I don't meet them. So that's my answer to that, that they should, but it's because they fall outside of that person's normal expectations of what a woman is and seems, can be seems pretty reasonable to me yeah but a lot of i know trans women who have not had surgery who think that they don't have any responsibility surprise yes i <laughs> yes i know i unfriended a, how uncomfortable is that if you get to that point with somebody and you assume they have one part and they have a different part like that is I used to have a trans friend who lived in Michigan who did exactly that. She went home with the guy and um, unpleasant surprise. And she ended up getting attacked. And that's horrible. But and and I'm not saying she asked for it. But like she should have known better than to if you're if you're going to fall that far at the very least outside of someone's understanding of normal then you should make sure they're aware of that longer before it reaches such points. So we're talking about this Daily Beast article here that you found, Nikki, where they're yes. arguing that basically, I mean, if they if they knew what I had just said, they would be calling me transphobic as well. They would have been calling us transphobic <laughs> like two hours ago. <laughs> Even though you're sitting here with a trans person and I'm a yeah. trans person. Yeah, clearly I, you know, I'm clearly transphobic. Clearly. <laughs> clearly I am as well. Don't let the makeup or the hair fool yeah. you or the clothing or anything. It's all an act. Yep. <laughs> I'm clearly just doing all of this to make a mockery of legitimate trans. Well, women. you're like, putting a lot of effort into this joke. Well, if I'm going to troll, I'm going to take it all the way, right? <laughs> Oh, man. So I I hate that I even said that because I do troll so often and like I do stuff like that, that there may very well now be people who think that this whole thing is just me trolling. Oh, well. I mean, even if they do. Oh, well. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) So the article goes on to say uh, the the author reveals there are lesbians who don't want to have sex with transgender women yet. And they were pressured, coerced, and at least one said that they were raped. That's horrible. But. Canadian jurist and bio uh, bioethicist. What is a bioethicist? Yeah, I was like, I've never seen that word before. Bioethicist. They, so the they study the bio and ethics. Yeah, they study the ethics of biology, dude. That's oh, a, so this must be a new thing in regards to trans people. It sounds like a a liberal arts degree I'm or a gender to, studies degree. Yeah, that sounds like some gender studies stuff. A bioethicist. I'm going to have to just look this up really quick. I have the word salad in front of me, so I'm going to go ahead and tell people what they said while you look that up. It's absolutely insidious 
to transform discussions of how cis normativity shapes desire into claims of coercion, which play into the long-standing demonization of trans women as rapists and perverts. Now, that's not at all what the article actually said. It did cite some examples of that. It's hard to unpack their word salad, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, it's a confusing like jumble of words. It's hard to understand exactly what they're getting at. I think what they're getting at is it's it's wrong to take a discussion about how expecting a lesbian to not be attracted to people who have male parts, which is cis normativity, shapes people's attractiveness. Like they're arguing that a lesbian would be more attracted to trans women if society didn't create the connection between women and the body parts that women typically have. But how can you not? I, I, I don't I mean, know. Like, I mean, like we, we develop expectations based on what is normal and I don't have any reason to, I'm not normal and I've seen normal people. I don't want to be one of them. Yeah. And that's a good point to embrace not being your average woman. Like that's, being trans is something more than being a woman, you know, it's or not well, something more, but something it's something different. different. So I, I don't necessarily think that as a trans woman, you need to like try to be a cis woman because you're not, you're something different. And like, that should be beautiful in and of itself. You don't need to like try to be like all the other girls. That's kind it, it, of taking from being trans, I think. It is. And it's kind of demanding that lesbians be willing to be attracted to you, but just speaking from personal experience here, for every one lesbian who's going to say, no, I don't want to have anything to do with you because I'm not into trans women, there's at least one other lesbian out there who considers you to be the best of both worlds. She gets the female without having to deal with the idiocy or insanity or controlling nature of men. Yeah. So it certainly can play to your advantage as well. But let's let's forget all of that because... It just gives trans people another reason to play the victim. Yep. This lesbian doesn't want to have anything else to do with me. She's clearly transphobic. Oh, what? Yeah, but what about the lesbians who are looking at you like, hey, you're exactly what I'm looking for because I love women, but reasons. What are your thoughts on all of this? Did you happen to find out what a bioethicist yes, is? Yes, it's the study of ethical itch issues emerging from advances in biology, medicine, and technologies. So pretty much what we said. There's a degree for that? Yeah, apparently... Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com it's free talk live recently we remodeled the entire free talk live website because the podcast download system broke in in addition to that the app program became unable to process credit cards because of we, we don't exactly know why, but we suspect it had something to do with the Crypto 6. We don't, we don't really know. So we had to blow up that as well, which sent us over to Patreon, which didn't even exist when the AMP program first started. You can find it at amp.freetalklive.com. amp.freetalklive.com will also take you there. 
I want to say thank you to BM Simmons, who is tonight's amplifier. This means that BM Simmons is giving money to the AMP program that you can find at Patreon to advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live, which is why we call it the AMP program. We added support to it as a more generalized way of supporting and helping the show grow, get on more radio stations, reach more listeners, all of that awesome stuff. It only takes $5 per month to join, and that gets you in. Among the biggest perks right now is the AMP-only podcast, which removes all of the commercials from the show, which are also not in the podcast, but the AMP podcast doesn't get the specialized podcast commercials. So not that you should join it for that reason. You should join it because you want to help advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. So check it out, BM Simmons. Thank you so much for your contributions. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Now, this article that you were just talking about quoted Florence Ashley saying just this word salad of stuff that I'm still not quite sure what this person was trying to say, which prompted us to look up, who is this lunatic that spewed out this word salad? Well, this lunatic is a trans feminine jurist and bioethicist, all of which we had to look up because I didn't know what trans feminine, trans feminine went, meant jurist we we heard that we thought okay so this person is like a juror in a courtroom yeah she has jury duty next week like what but evidently jurist means an an expert in law and bioethicist is exactly what you would think it, it is it's someone who deals with the ethics of biology and technology and stuff so i i was curious whether or not this person you know has a job and the answer seems to be no they now this trans feminine person, so Florence Ashley, it, it was signed male at birth and now identifies as a female, but uses they, them pronouns, which is something I don't get, but okay. They are a doctoral student. Their doctoral project examines how science is deployed and used within the legal system to simultaneously bolster and undermine trans youth's autonomy. So this person is basically getting a degree in being a social justice warrior. <laughs> Their master's thesis, written under someone else, someone else's supervision, bears on the legality of conversion practices targeting gender identity, which I, I'm not even sure there are any. So that's the kind of person that they're quoting over here at the Daily Beast in the article that you're found. I'm not at all surprised, based on that word salad that they just spewed, how transforming discussions of how cis-normativity shapes desire into claims of coercion. First of all, what? Can you use normal people words if you want to try to reason with people and persuade them? You kind of have to use language they understand. And look, I'm with you. There is a long-standing history of demonizing trans women as rapists and perverts and stuff like that. But a lot of that has subsided. And other than a few specific examples, which... We can't say didn't happen because they clearly happened. The article that I read was all about the social pressure being exerted on lesbians to have sex with trans women, even though they didn't want to. And it did include some examples of tra- trans women who used that pressure to their advantage. But that's because the pressure was there for them to use and exploit. They're exploitative people. I don't believe that those people are really trans. I suspect that they're just identifying that way as a means of weaponizing that social pressure to take whatever they want. And that needs to, the fact that some people are doing that isn't the issue near as much as it, 
as it is the fact that the social pressure is there to be exploited in the first place. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly the problem, that these people are able to do this, and it's because of this weird society that the typical LGBTQ community has kind of created, which is sad to say because... They used to have, you know, a legitimate purpose to protect the rights of gay and trans people. And I think that is I think that's a good thing. You know, that should be happening. But it's been taken too far to the point where now it seems like trans people are getting more rights than lesbians. It absolutely does seem that way, because let's let's employ any other demographic here again. And just imagine calling up someone's employer and be like, hey, um, I'm gay. And your employee refused to sleep with me because they're heterosexual and they should be fired for that. The employer would be like, okay, uh, yeah, have a good day and hang up the phone. It would never speak of it again. Yeah. Because you you can't fire someone for being heterosexual, for not being attracted to you or not being willing to have relations with you for whatever reason. But you know, that wouldn't be how the phone call would go, though, if it it would have been like, oh, this person is transphobic and they were openly discriminating against me, it wouldn't be like, oh, well, I wanted to sleep with them and they said no. You know, it would be completely twisted around. But the details would have to come out eventually, I would think, where they they would ask the employee, hey, this person just called and made these accusations. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't sleep with them. Or just imagine a a lesbian calling a place and be like, hey, look, your your employee is really hot, and I, I tried to have a date with her, and she told me that she's not into lesbians. Yeah. You, you need to fire her immediately. That's not acceptable. Yeah, everybody would be like, you sound like a total creep. Yeah. <laughs> That's not acceptable behavior. You can't pressure people into having relationships yeah. with you. That's immoral, and it's pretty cringy if it's not outright rape. If you were to go through with it, have a good day. But when, yeah. when suddenly... The word trans is thrown in there. Everything gets flipped on its head and it's suddenly okay to do stuff like that. And it's because that societal pressure is there. You could probably get that person fired simply because they didn't want to have relations with you because you were trans. Which is, again, cringy. Absolutely. So this article continues to say the truth Cis bisexual and human resources director Jen Kelly of Connecticut told the Daily Beast is that people have preferences. Some lesbians do not like penetration and some the mere idea of whatever make them gag. Therefore, they don't have sex with people with penises, Kelly said. I honestly don't think that that makes them transphobic. They simply chose not to engage in sex with persons with penises. Is that a fetish? No. It's knowing what you like slash don't like and choosing to do that. It doesn't diminish another because their gender or body parts aren't what you prefer. So this is a bisexual and human resources director who seems to agree with the article over at the BBC saying, no, it's it's okay. But see, even there, they're, they're using the word preference. It it's, doesn't diminish another because their gender or body parts aren't what you prefer. No, it doesn't diminish another because they have sexual orientations. It's not a matter of preference. It's a matter of sexual orientation. So that, that can't be glossed over like that. It's not a matter of yeah. preference. So-called research is introduced through a questionnaire created by an anti-trans activist group that claims 56% reported being pressured or coerced 
to accept trans women as a sexual partner. But in that article we just read it from BBC, they did put the disclaimer, did they not, that it was a small group? They did. That they so they said and they also pointed out that hey, these are this is a group of lesbians who they didn't call, say they were transphobic or anti-trans or anything like that, but they said hey, these are lesbians and it was a very small group. Yeah, so they put the disclaimer that it was a small group, but and as we kind of commented afterwards, even just the fact that there were 40 or so women who, who had that experience, it doesn't matter if it's a small group or not. That's a large number of women to have go through this experience. And, you know, there must be more. So even though it was a small sample group, I don't think that necessarily matters. I, I agree entirely. I mean, a sample size of one and one person saying that this has happened to them would be too many. Nitpicking over what the percentage is or how small the sample size is. I think you're missing the point here, author at The Daily Beast, and that's that this happens, it's a real thing, and it really doesn't matter how common it is, it needs to be dealt with. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Just want to remind everyone that you can be attracted to whoever you want and you don't have to explain it to anyone or offer anyone an explanation and you're not any sort of phobic or anti-anything for having the attractions that you have. It's Free Talk Live with you tonight. It's Aria. And Nikki. And we're talking about the... The BBC wrote this story bringing to light these... The reality that is lesbians are feeling pressured largely by society to accept sexually trans women as women, even though they're not inclined to because this article that you brought in suggests otherwise. But the majority of trans women are still operating with the parts that they had from birth. That's been my experience having been dating trans women for many many years so i i can't blame a lesbian for not being interested in that in the same way that i can't blame a heterosexual man for not being interested in another man that's just their sexual orientation and that's okay apparently saying that is transphobic though so this article comes at a time when transphobia is running rampant and unchecked among British's mainstream media. If anyone criticizes it, they are accused of silencing or attempting to cancel the bullies who hold sway. The same bullies who claim to be silenced when they, in fact, have access to major media platforms to spread their malicious misinformation, exacerbating an already ugly atmosphere. Influencing policy making as well as public perception against trans people. Now, that was a really long sentence. It was. And <laughs> I don't know what the situation is like in Britain, but I know in the United States, uh, transphobia is certainly far from rampant and unchecked in the media. And the trans community, the, the LGBTQ alliance is so powerful here in the United States that there's a realistic chance that they could have canceled Dave Chappelle, the yeah. guy who brought us Clayton Bigsby, the black, white, blind, race, white supremacist. I mean, <laughs> Dave Chappelle has done a lot of stuff that you would think, oh, my God, 
this is going to destroy his career. He'll never recover from this. Well, the one thing that almost actually got him was the power of the trans... I don't know what I want to call it. It's not a community. It's more like an army. Yeah. And they exert immense social pressure to be treated as normal women to get whatever they want. Whatever it is that they want, they have a massive amount of social pressure to help them get it. And there are some people who see that social pressure and who would use it and exploit it for their own benefit. I don't know what's going on in Britain, though. But I know here in the United States, the trans army is far from weak. (sighs) And if someone were to sound transphobic, I mean, even Donald Trump, when running for president, was like, yeah, no, uh, anyone can come to any of my casino, uh, casinos or hotels or whatever and use whatever bathroom they want. Wow, but, I didn't know that. He did. Yeah. And then Caitlyn Jenner, who is one of the worst trans people oh, on the planet, God, yeah. made this huge show about going to one of his hotels to use the women's restroom because she wants to be like the Rosa Parks of yeah. the trans quote, movement, right? But if she really wanted to do that, she would have gone to South Carolina, which had recently passed a law making it illegal for someone to use a bathroom other than their, yeah. their what was listed on their birth certificate. If she wanted to go to South Carolina and use a women's bath- bathroom, I would have had a bit re- of respect for her. But going to a place where she knew, where the owner of the property had already said she wouldn't be troubled, you're, you're not Rosa Parks, yeah. lady. You're... You're a Kardashian at this point. You're you're trolling for Instagram likes. And I I just can't respect that. So we've since learned that this article is actually bullet pointed. I thought they were just dots on a screen. But this author goes through and dissects part of the BBC's article. And that's why it seems to jump around a bit. Yeah, it makes so much more sense now. (laughs) This BBC article is just the latest biased and factually inaccurate story about transgender people to appear in British mainstream media. A spokesperson for GLAAD told the Daily Beast. Okay. Even if we accept that it's biased, how is it factually inaccurate? And that's the thing, too. So we're telling these women that their experiences are false. So basically, that's just as bad as telling someone that they didn't get raped or that they asked for it. It absolutely is. They don't provide any examples here of why it's factually inaccurate. Because most of the most of that original BBC article was trans and lesbian women giving their personal account. So to say that that is factually inaccurate is saying that those women are either liars or that their experience is wrong you know it's i don't get how that could be it's frankly bad journalism to have a reporter and news outlet reinforce lies and spread hate about a group of people that is already profoundly marginalized okay i i I will get with you glad you just have to tell me what lies they spread Be more specific, please. You can't just say they're lying. Well, they <laughs> quoted people's personal experiences, and that would mean that those people were lying about their personal experiences. And if you can prove that, or you can even give me any evidence of that, I will I will consider your position. But you can't just go, they're lying, and expect me to take you seriously. No matter how biased they are, they can still be factually correct just coming to the wrong conclusions personal experience is personal experience absolutely 
Mainstream media in the UK should immediately give transgender people and their allies platforms to share stories about what is what about what it really means to be a trans person in the UK today. I'm so not basically that's not a news story. No one would read that. So basically, even other trans people wouldn't. So they're just saying that they're demanding that trans people be granted special platforms and special privileges, basically? Yeah, to talk about how oppressed they are and how bad it really is in the United Kingdom, the West. I mean, come on. The idea that trans women need to pressure anyone into sex is so laughably absurd, tweeted actor, producer, and activist Jen Richards, who happens to be trans. Don't fall for stupid, opted, written... With little to no basis in lived experience by people who want to erase trans people from public life. I do not understand what she's trying to say there. Don't fall for the op-eds written. Don't. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, anyways. It, anyway, they say it has no basis in lived experience, but the op-ed cited many examples of people ex- encountering this, of lesbians encountering this. Don't and e- trans people. Yeah, don't erase lesbians from public life in your efforts to make yeah. trans people part of public life. Exactly. People have to be able to coexist here in this hardline position that, no, you're, you're trying to erase trans people. It's not, that's not coexistence. And let's be real here. If trans people are marginalized, aren't lesbians too? They are. They, I mean... This is what the entire Dave Chappelle special was... About, you know, now trans people are going to be telling lesbians, stop punching down at us. No, they're not punching to the, they're not punching down. You're punching sideways. You've been convinced to fight each other instead of working together because you're morons who are cannibals and who are so eager to be the one at the center of attention that you don't care if you have to beat a lesbian over the head in order to put yourself in their place so that everyone pays attention to you. You just can't stand for someone else to be the center of attention. No person is ever obligated to be attracted to another person. That completely goes against the concept of autonomy and consent that is so central to the trans and non-binary community. That is a quote from Charlotte Clymer. And I'm unsure as if that is from the BBC article or this one. Uh, It seems like it was someone talking to the Daily Beast. Saying, I don't know any trans or non-binary person, let alone any activist who would claim that cis lesbians are obligated to be attracted to trans women. I would go even further and say that trans women lesbians aren't obligated to be attracted to trans women. No one's obligated to be attracted to anyone. But I will tell you this. Those people do certainly exist. You know, that's a great point, too. So if someone's a trans female with a preference for biological females, are they transphobic, too? I mean, they would probably argue yes, but I would. But they're literally argue, a trans person. <laughs> I would. I would obviously argue no, yeah. because again, it's a matter of sexual orientation, not a matter of preference. They don't seem to ever get that. Saying this is not a new topic. No, it it is kind of a new topic. This is something I've never heard really talked about, and the fact that this website has gone out of their way to sort of dispute the article without disputing any of the facts they're just saying oh no they're lying they're biased they're incorrect well they're quoting life stories of people and those things their life stories are worth talking about and we have to stop trying to push each other out of the limelight so that we can take it for ourselves because that's not going to get any of your silly little backstabbing communities anywhere it's been free talk live find us in the meantime at chat.freetalklive.com and we're back 
approximately got delayed till early, this summer. Right. And in the meantime, I wrote the Space Time War. Okay. And when the publishing schedule came out, it was really kind of neat because uh, uh, Saving Proxima was in August and Space Time War is in October. And then Bain decided that they would reprint one of my other books in September. So I actually had a book come out in August, September, and October of 2021. So it's been it's been a great year for me. Nice. So it just it appears as though you're busier than you actually were. Because <laughs> yeah. Saving Proxima has been in the can for over a year, and really the, just the space-time war was the, was the new venture. That, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and it's a different beast writing a book by yourself, too. I, uh, you write, when you write with someone like I did on the Saving Proxima with Travis, you have to do a lot of back and forth, and you're subject to both, both of your schedules, right? Yep. But when you write a book on your own and you know where you want to go with it, what you want, the story you want to tell, you can – if you can find the time, you can focus on it and, and get it out. Okay. And so writing writing that book with uh, with Travis, and also that being part of a series, is there any sort of thematic creep that shows up in the space time war? Then because it's hard to clear your mind entirely when you're you know in the middle of a story arc, and then try to do this independent thing off to the side. No. No, there's no creep. Okay. Um, the, and, and at least that, that I can detect. Now, your your listeners, if they read both books, they can feel free to write me <laughs> at, at les.johnson at rocketship.com uh, and let me know if there's creep, but there's not supposed to be. They're really two different story arcs, uh, two different universes, as okay. it will. And uh, the, the Saving Proxima is uh, really what I would call hard science science fiction, whereas the space-time war, while I try to keep the science as realistic as I can, it's really my first foray into what I would call space opera. Kind of the grand sweeping story arc, an interstellar war, a love story, all kind of rolled in there. And it's really a very different universe with a different feel to it. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about that space opera then. Um, You know, uh, uh, Invasion... Of an of a of a British Navy and something with the Indian Space Force and there's a lot of still earthly elements to that story storyline. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, the future that I posit is one that I'd like to believe can happen. I, I, I try to do that in my fiction. Is I there are different futures, but I'm an optimist. Well, having an alien invasion is not exactly optimistic, I guess. But <laughs> it could be peaceful. Human, you never human know. Will will <laughs> will will overcome. Um, yeah, in the space-time war, I've said it in the future. It's over 100 years in the future. And we've, we've found a way to travel long distance through space, through a, a new space drive uh, that basically allows you to do like a lot of science fiction stories have done, where you do kind of a jump through uh, hyperspace. I don't really go into a lot of detail about how it works, but it allows you to get from point A to point B instantaneously. And, and you're limited only by the power source you can have on your ship as to how far you can go. And as humanity has begun to, to spread out into the universe, some worlds are, hop, are inhabitable in the habitable zones, you know, planets like the Earth, similar enough that we can settle on. Most are not. And so we have, uh, when this happens, what, what happens then is the same thing that happens happened in human history, is that when there's places to be settled, a lot of the disenfranchised uh, people who want to make it on their own, the independent types, they go. Right. And sure. so uh, there are there are worlds that are predominantly colonized. Uh, I have one that I go into a lot of detail of by the Japanese, for instance. And uh, it's very much a corporate world uh, ties into the corporate government relationship that they have in Japan. 
And uh, it is actually one of the early worlds that is attacking the aliens uh, coming in or the, and they, they, they actually give them their name, which I had a lot of fun with. Um, imagine these, these unknown ships coming in from space. They don't really reveal uh, that they want anything. Their right. sole purpose seems to be to attack and destroy human colonies. And okay. they, have no, they take no quarter. So um, the, there's an attack, and I'm not giving a whole lot away here. There's an attack that's coming in on, on the Japanese colony. And as it begins, the, the, the protagonists in that part of the story are remembering Japanese history. And so they give a name for the ships. They call them the black ships. And the word for that is Kurafuna. Okay. Uh, K-U-R-O-F-U-N-A, Kurafuna. And the reason they do that is because in, the ja- in Japanese history, and I learned this when I was in Japan, when the U.S. Navy uh, basically sailed into Tokyo Bay with our guns on the ships and said, you will open up to outside world trade or else, which was probably not a really friendly thing to do on the part of the United States. And doesn't it really posit the ideals of free trade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But under, under the threat of guns, right? I mean, that was the 19th century, unfortunately. And so it opened up Japan to the world, but the Japanese name for those ships were the black ships and the Kurofuna. And okay. that was us. And so what they wanted to do and in their history, and I picked this up when I've had these business trips to Japan and talked to my colleagues there, they love Americans. They just don't love our history completely. Okay. And they have kind of a motto over there, which is never again are we going to have another black ship. We're not going to let that happen to Japan. So um, it's really a big part of their history. And that, that's where the, uh, some, of the, some, of the, some of the inspiration for this story came from. Okay. So these these alien ships, these Kurfuna, are attacking the uh, the outer colonies, and then at some point find their way to Earth itself. Well, I'm not going to give too much away here because okay. you're, you're, you've got the whole story arc in between here. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Needless to say, um, the Earth, uh, the future that I posit here is that we have these colonies, and so Earth's Earth's not in a unified government sense in any way, shape or form. I don't believe we ever will be right. So there are different power blocks. I hope not. No, no new world order for me. No, I I agree with you. I I think there would be too, we we would have too much to lose in terms of freedom and individual liberty. I think in a world uh, with, um, well, I just, I just think our fundamental freedoms are incompatible with the government style of a lot of the world. (laughs) Agreed. Um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will agree with that as well. Uh, yeah. And, and so I, I kind of think there will be a United States in the future. At least we hope there is. There'll be a, uh, a Europe. I think in, in the book, I posit that there's a British Commonwealth that still exists that may or may not be a, a strong part of a United Europe, uh, China, India, different power blocks. We're not at war with each other, but as we're exploring and setting up these colonies, each power block has its own warships like we do, right? Sure. But it's not warships to fight a war as much as it is warships to kind of like keep the peace. They're more like Coast Guard ships, really. And Earth isn't really prepared for marauding aliens that take no port. So it requires the different power blocks on the Earth to cooperate to a degree to defend the home planet. And that brings the story together for my two uh, heroes. Uh, one is uh, a captain in the British Navy, Winslow Price, 
And the other is a captain in the uh, Indian Space Navy, uh, Anika Ahuja. And uh, they have, they, you find out early in the story that they fall in love. Okay. And that can cause problems when you're captains in two different countries' navies. <laughs> um, well, but they're not fighting so against each other, here. though, right? They're, they're combining forces to fight off this alien invasion. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Yep, yep. You're absolutely correct. So I could see that then. That's the story. And, and what I tried to weave into it was the tension between uh, these two who have loyalties to their respective governments and they're, they're working together and they love each other. And they're also both very driven people for their careers. And uh, there are choices that they have to make in the story that affect the relationship with each other, their loyalty to their country, and how much do they put their career ahead of everything else. Okay. And, and I think a lot of people in not such a life and death situation as these characters face, but in our lives, right, with dual working families and, uh, you know, two higher, you know, two earning people in a, in a household, you know, whose, whose job do you follow if one gets transferred to another city or something, right? I mean, yeah. These are these are real problems that people have to deal with. I just amplify them, put them in the middle of a space war. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. when that situation comes up, it's usually whoever's getting paid more, right? Like if, if your job offers a significant, you know, raise in pay or standard of living, well, then we go with you, right? If if your job is like a promotion, but I'm still, you know, the primary breadwinner, and eh, then you're probably going to stick around here. At least that, you know, in my opinion. Well, I think that's probably consistent with what a lot of couples would do, right? Sure. I think they, they would have that conversation about money and figure that out. And uh, in, in the case of our two characters here, um, you know, what's the equivalent of money? Well, it's military promotion and responsibility in your respective armed forces, yeah. right? Um, and that can be a challenge. And as the, uh, as the title I don't want to give a lot away here of the story, but there's a twist I've thrown in and hence the, the name of the book, the space time war, not just the space war. So um, I'll, I'll leave that to be the reveal okay. <laughs> as people read the book. But that's, that was my intent is to, is to give you a realistic uh, backdrop for uh, a, a story arc of hero heroism, really. And the, the relationship between two people that are thrust in this really terrible situation sure, uh, to have to deal with that. And I can, I can see multiple countries coming together because even, even personally, like my personal opinion on the subject is even if you scale it down to, you know, the individual level, which is, you know, what we like to do in, you know, when talking about freedom and liberty, um, I do believe that defense is a collective issue. Like, I don't, I don't think one person can stand up to the might of a collective. Um, and so I'm okay with, you know, voluntarily getting together with your neighbors or families or neighborhood or whatever and putting up a collective defense. So if you want to, if you scale that up to like an alien invasion, right? Of course, all those people on earth or any of the colonies who could be impacted, right? May want to get together in some form or fashion to put up some sort of defense against that invasion. Well, absolutely. And, and I, I can't help but be influenced uh, by my parents who were uh, of the greatest generation. They grew up in the depression. Uh, my father uh, enlisted in the U S army air Corps and uh, fought in Europe. 
He was in North Africa and in the Italy campaign. And so I can't help but be influenced in thinking about what this country faced once it entered that war in terms of a, a war for survival, really. Sure. And I've re- read a lot of history books about the develop. Being a physicist, you know, I'm, I'm really into physics history, right? So I read a lot about the development of the atomic bomb. And Einstein and his letter and all the scientists were involved in that. Yep. And they really thought they were, and they were right at the beginning. You know, they were, it was a struggle because it was, the outcome was not assured that Hitler wasn't going to take over the world. <laughs> right? So, you sure. know, this whole collective defense and people joining forces to fight evil, I think is sometimes an absolute necessity and, and we've got to do it. Yeah. But I've also, I, you know, this is not the, the place for it, but I've also heard the theories uh, of, you know, the, the United States kind of planning their way into the war and doing some unscrupulous things to make sure that they were able to enter justifiably when, you know, maybe they ought not have in the moment. Um, I think that from, from what I've studied in history, I think the outcome would have been dramatically different in Europe and hence the world if we hadn't gotten involved. And so even if there were machinations to get to provoke perhaps the Japanese, which is what I've heard, I haven't heard so much of that on the, on the European side of things. Um, I still think all in all, maybe it was, it, it was, it was a good thing that we got involved in the war and helped end it. Okay. Uh, I think the world, but based on my understanding of history and it's, we're all armchair generals here, right? Because we weren't alive and taking part in those decisions. So it's right. like other people can look at the data and come up with substantiated differing opinions. I'm sure but that's right. my perspective. Right. And for the scope of this, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather not debate on behalf of those that would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> or agree. Well, and that's, and you know something, that's one of the things that I like about science fiction. And one of the things I enjoy reading in science fiction is that people can set futures based on history and posit different decisions and types of decisions by people and see where that sure. goes. They can even right. rewrite the past to make it fit right, right? There's time travel that's in science fiction too. Whatever sets up the narrative makes the best story. That, that's exactly right. And that's what, I, that's what I've always loved about good science fiction is that it's more, it's entertaining, but at the same time, it makes you think about some of the big questions. And those aren't just the big questions about is there life in the universe, which you know, I tend to think about a lot, but it's also big questions like we just talked about. You know, if the conduct of something like the war had gone differently. So can we set this up? My book is not a World War II analog in the future, but I can see where I might be tempted to do one sometime. Okay. Because that, there's so many interesting political things that happened that affected the outcome It'd be kind of fun to play with. Absolutely. In fiction. <laughs> of course. Of course. In, in fiction, in science fiction, you know, that's, that's what authors do. Um, so you, you left us with some cliffhangers and some story, story, park, uh, story plots in there that we got to go figure out on our own. Um, one last pitch then. Why should our listeners pick up this book um, in your own words? Well, I think they ought to pick it up because I think they're going to they're gonna really have, uh, have fun reading it. And I think they'll learn a little bit and they'll get some of the, the what if questions that are going to be thrown at them uh, when you take into account what I hinted at with the title of the book, The Space Time War. All right. Uh, this isn't your typical uh, um, only across battles across solar systems kind of thing. 
there, there's a there's a neat nuance of physics about what, how our understanding of space time uh, that can maybe play a number on us as we're exploring deep space. And I play around with that story. All right. And th- that's that's what I think that would pick it up because if they enjoy something believable, entertaining, and it's going to have them do a what if question when they're finished reading it, get them to think, then this would be a book for you. All right. And the publisher is Bain. Uh, so you can pick it up at Bain.com, B-A-E-N.com, also available on Amazon. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure you're going to say check out your local bookseller. Absolutely. Support the locals. Uh, if, wherever your local bookseller is, I know my Barnes & Noble here in Huntsville carries it, and so does the Books A Million. So I, I think a lot of them are out there and have it. And I think not too long in the future, it will probably also be available on audiobook because all my previous books have been on audio uh, as well. Fantastic. And you gave out your contact information earlier. Is there a specific website that you would send people to to find out more about you and any of your upcoming projects? Sure. I try to go to uh, uh, lesjohnsonauthor.com. It's all one word, lesjohnsonauthor.com. And uh, I have a certain a radio host that tells me I need to update my bio on there. So I better go do that pretty quickly. At, at, at least within the next two months or so, or whenever the next book comes out and we have to do this again. So I, so I can, I can <laughs> I properly prepare. Two months. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Well, you got, you got some time then. Um, I do. That'll do it for us then. That is the end of, of the review. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, Les, and talking about the space-time war. And we'll talk to you uh, hopefully when the next round of, of books comes out. All right, Rich. Thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. Not a problem. Peace.